0: As a kid, I used to dream what it would be like to live somewhere far away from Hell's Kitchen. But I realized the city was a part of me. It was in my blood. And I would do anything to make it a better place.
1: Maybe she had an iron suit or a magic hammer. Explain why you
0: keep getting your asses handed to you. I'm just trying to make my city a better place. Welcome back to Defenders TV podcast, the home of the Netflix shows Daredevil, aka Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and The Iron Fist, all leading to the Defenders miniseries. This is episode 8 of Defenders TV podcast, which will be discussing episode 4 of Netflix's Daredevil, entitled In the Blood. I'm one of your hosts, John, who also is known as Danny Rand, head of Rand Corporation. <laughs> and at nighttime I turn into the Iron
1: Fist. <laughs> I'm Derek. I'm your lawyer by day, Defender by night.
2: I'm Irene. I'm the Unbreakable Cage. I'm Chris. i also known as... Jessica Jones, but only on Saturdays.
1: <laughs> As you can hear, we've got our full Defenders cast here for our uh, for 8th Defenders
0: podcast. Great to have Irene on board. Welcome. Welcome, Irene. Thanks. Where, of course, we will be discussing the first Defender, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, all I can say is, holy <laughs> 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 uh, that ending was pretty, pretty darn brutal. Uh-huh. But a uh, great, great episode Um, to see the fisk in action yeah yeah lots in the blood this episode
1: (laughs) definitely definitely uh really good if you guys want to keep track of our podcast just make sure you subscribe to us on itunes you can go to defenderstvpodcast.com slash itunes that'll take you through the link subscribe on there leave us a rating so other people can find us that would be great as well i hope you're enjoying it um and let us know your thoughts about each of the episodes by sending us feedback to feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com um, just like Mark, uh, who sent us his first bit of feedback. So we got some feedback on uh, on the episode so far. Um, Mark says, I think what you're missing from the description of the title sequences is the way the dripping bl- liquid or blood forms the structures in a way in which we might take how Daredevil hears or sees objects. A nod or steal from the Daredevil film. Cheers for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, thanks very much for that, Mark. Uh, interesting point that Mark brings up here uh, about title sequences. It didn't that's not something that we talked about um, when we talked about the titles, Chris? I know it was your point on the first episode.
2: Yeah, um, I didn't actually think of it like that. Mm. I did just think of the kind of the dripping blood and the the level of maturity or and or uh, liquid of that nature we are seeing in the first four episodes. Absolutely. It is getting a bit brutal, especially since episode four. Uh Um, How he hears or sees, actually, it is, yeah, when we take that unforgettable, be it for good or bad, scene from the original 2003 film, Mm -hmm. it does get a bit, um, it does hark back to that where the water versus the blood. Um, But yeah, no, interesting. And I'm never going to unsee that now, that (laughs) is.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, really good point, Mark. Yeah, I mean, it's de- it must definitely be blood at this stage. Um, there has been so much they can use it all for the title sequences. I reckon. Mm-hmm. No, I think. Um, I think it's a good point. I think definitely. Um, there's you can see it rippling out as it moves over the the form that it, it takes. So I can ultimately take that on board that it would be. Um, how he sees this world. Um hopefully we just don't necessarily see it in the actual episodes. I think it's good to have that shown in the title sequences and the opening credits. Um, Maybe it would be strange to have that um, shown actually within the episodes, the way they've done it so far, it's a mm-hmm. bit more, um, well, it, it's less effect-heavy, shall I say. Yeah. Um, there is obviously different techniques and effects that they're using, like the 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 spot focus, kind of like that fisheye type of, of lens um, and so on, to give that idea of his senses and, and blocking out, you know, all the different distractions to focus in on something. But I, I definitely can take that on board, that um, it helps to... Um, show how Matt Murdock views his environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because they are all iconic parts of Matt's life. Mm-hmm. The church, the water tower, uh, and so on, that we see the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, the Lady Justice, obviously, as the lawyer. So mm-hmm. they're all parts and important parts of um, his day-to-day and Night tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Irene, as you're joining us for,
1: for the first episode this time, we haven't heard your thoughts about the title sequences. What do you think of the title sequences themselves?
3: I am um, usually kind of focused on the music for the title sequence, but uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I hadn't really thought about it before, but now that he says it, I agree.
1: Yeah, Seems yeah. like it would be. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your feedback, Mark. And as I said before, anybody who wants to send us feedback, you can email us at feedback at com. Um, I think it's time to get into the episode itself. Episode four, "In the Blood," was written by Joe Pekaski. Uh He was a writer on the TV show Heroes, wrote many episodes of that. I know you're a big fan of that show, Chris, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, and
2: you you could definitely see it in in this in this episode the, the kind of dark darkness, yeah, and um, that we got in some of the prior, kind of earlier heroes, less mm-hmm. carnival heroes that we got towards right. season three.
1: Right. Looking forward to Heroes Reborn coming oh, back soon. Amazingly, yeah. Excellent. Um, we have
2: Zachary Levi coming in, mm-hmm. and more and more he is becoming a the Will Wheaton of the nerd world, but, a, <laughs> but obviously a lot lot cooler.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent. As uh, directed, this episode was also directed by Ken Gerotti, who directed episodes of Law and Order: Criminal Intent.
3: Yeah, so he knows, remembers Robert Gorin, aka Fisk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, worked with Vincent D'Onofrio on on that, on that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. He also directed an episode of Rescue Me, uh, which I love. Dennis Leary and I love the show Rescue Me. So uh, delighted to have Ken Garotti directing this episode of Daredevil. It's his only it's his only episode of Daredevil that he's directed. But John, do you want to tell us what happens in the episode and give us a synopsis of uh,
0: of episode four of Daredevil? I certainly do. Episode four, Daredevil, in the blood. The Russian brothers, Vladimir and Anatoly, begin to strike back against the man in the black mask, who is beginning to seriously impact on their drug-running operations for the crime syndicate. As they attempt to hunt the vigilante, the Russian's accomplices track down the vigilante's night nurse, Claire Temple, kidnapping her to draw him out into the open. As she is being brutally tortured for information, at Valley's Taxi, a cover for the Russians, the mass vigilante rescues Claire in a showdown that humiliates Vladimir and Anatoly. The problems encountered by the Russians have not gone unnoticed, however, by both Wesley Welsh and his employer, who initially offer assistance to help bring the larger plan back on track. But a proud Vladimir, with a short temper, and possible proposals for another plan, and a severe lapse in judgement by Anatoly, bring Fisk out from the shadows. An uncompromising Fisk brutally kills Anatoly in an act of pure savagery that leaves the crime syndicate in pieces and on the brink of an all-out turf war. What an ending. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so if this is your first episode, listen to us
1: just to clarify exactly how we covered the show. Uh, each of us take five points that we have seen in the episode. Some of them may cross over, but we'll talk through our points that we are that we noticed in the episode and uh, hopefully in that way cover everything about episode four in the blood. Um, Irene, first time here. So do you want to give us your first point of uh, of the, this episode?
3: The first thing I'm going to talk about is um, Karen and Ben. Mm-hmm. I thought it was slightly bizarre and okay. I would step with the rest of the episode. I don't know if it's just because I kind of wanted to see what was going to happen with the Fisk story, or mm-hmm. I add, but I don't know. I thought it seemed kind of disjointed.
1: That it was that was very different from the in, to, in mood kind of thing. With yeah, a different
3: tone to the other parts. Even the bit with Foggy and Matt like that seemed more like it fit. Right, right. I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
1: <laughs> John, what did you think of
0: uh, of the Karen and Ben? I think it helped. To move um, the meeting that they had previously, and um, from I think it was episode three, mm-hmm. where you know, we were talking about this about her being maybe self-destructive um, in, in going to uh, Ben Ulrich to to hand over and to um, hand over information about uh, Union Allies mm-hmm. and sort of the the corruption and, and sort of accountancy errors that were going on um, in that firm that. It seems strange given that she had gotten herself into so much trouble just by talking about it previously with a colleague that she would then go off and do that. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing about her motives. Um, I think here um, it kind of it's more moving that part of the story on. And I think to an extent, given what happens in this episode um, with the Russians and with Fisk, um, it does seem maybe slightly um out of place in, in the larger scheme of things. But I think it fits in purely as a, a follow-on from episode three. That's how I feel. But mm-hmm. within all the, the 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 bloodshed and the hunting down of um the Mass Vigilante by the Russians, you know, the fight sequences in the garage at the taxi firm, um obviously what happens at the end and all that you know some pretty heavy pieces even with the opening as well in uh, siberia then this seems slightly strange but i suppose as well it also does help to give you um a few breathers throughout the the episode from the sheer intensity that's going on because those those russians are pretty intense guys and by the end of it so is wilson fisk Mm -hmm. so um i can understand what um, are insane, but I do think that um, it does help just to sort of break up the um, intensity of this.
2: Yeah, I have, I'm going to come in on this one because ever since John mentioned it in episode when we did a review of episode three, that the, this is a very self-destructive nature of Karen coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm more and more and more starting to dislike this character, really? and I don't know if that's played in that way to. To try and get it that we 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 don't have a, vic- we don't feel that like she's a victim, right? Uh, right. Here, towards the end of the series, mm. I want to see what they come out with because I think obviously she will play a large part and we're starting to see that, mm-hmm. but she's coming on from the following episodes and she's been threatened and everything, and then she goes and even when Ben Ulrich kind of tells her to drop this he yeah. says
3: get out my life yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like, and then she can do it and and goes no uh, i'm me. gonna go to this uh <laughs>
2: auction by myself yeah. and we the one bit that they missed though they didn't explain who or who the man in the pinstripe and the woman in yes. the white blouse are mm-hmm. so we may see that later yeah but that was a bit of a okay not, all I, he says is they're not bidding either
3: yeah exactly yeah it's so like, they
1: stand oh. out just like you do is is is, is a yeah. point there um it's the way I, the way I took it was very much his point is look at those two they're not bidding either they stand out to me they're probably here watching you uh, and they they could be putting you in danger yeah
2: yeah this could become a, quite a, an annoyance okay. in that she's just consistently putting herself in harm's way right. until we see a point where the men in, man man black saves her mm-hmm. and it, okay that could work for the story it, yeah. it is now to be fair this arc is moving the story along mm-hmm. we're getting closer to closer now by the end of episode four, Ben Ulrich has agreed that he is taking on this investigation into, mm-hmm. and he, he always was, but he just didn't tell her. Yeah. Um. So it is moving the story and it brings us closer to that scene in the trailer. We saw where Ben Ulrich has the dare board, which we're starting to call it here <laughs> with the, the, the king pin at the top and it's very mm-hmm. old school circles and photos and cards. Yeah. Um. So that, oh, that will, it, it it just seems to be very much, it is out of place. It just seemed to be a mechanic to get us to the next point.
1: Right, right. But he does he does give her a way out of the situation. He does say to her, sign the agreement that you're not going to be involved. I won't sign it. I'm going to do the investigation from here on. He'll essentially ask for her help, but this is now going to be Benwick doing the investigation on, on uh, uh, Union chemicals. Uh, Un- union, union allies. Cons- union ally construction, that's it. <laughs> um, it did bring me to one of my points, though, uh, which I love, just one quick scene with uh, the, the in- the auction essentially ben Ulrich does a great batman impression in uh in that scene did you notice it where, he, where he's talking over karen's shoulder and says to her i'll meet you in an hour in the uh, in the diner and then she goes but what do i do next and then he's gone from behind her it's uh, another great batman moment so he's another superhero but that's uh that's yeah. one that was one of my points
0: yeah and just quickly um i did like the idea that ben Ulrich that... Um, he sort of said, you know, stories like the ones I've done previously or the ones here that you're sort of offering to me to uh, to investigate are built on credible sources. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I've been digging around and you suddenly start to realize that maybe just maybe Karen here has a very checkered history and maybe some of that yeah. isn't um, in her past, given her Uh, love of tequila with eels pickled in them from the previous uh, episode where she goes out drinking with Foggy. So it's kind of um, you know, that's a nice little in, I think, to say that again she is slightly more troubled and has her own problems than um, we would necessarily know from the current number of episodes and that's where then maybe we might start to see her disintegrate um, emotionally physically um you know into drug addiction or uh, or alcoholism Mm. and so that was kind of quite nice and then i i agree it's ultimately it kind of means you can stop doing this investigating now he said i will take this up. you sign this get yourself out because all my other sources and i like that little point all the other sources for um, I think she talks about a story about he essentially brought down the old school Italian mafia mm-hmm. in, in New York City back in the 80s, um, and he just kind of explains, you know, the, the the my source for this chemical runoff into the river. He was found dead in that same river a few months later, and mm-hmm. um, the guy from the teachers union trying to um sort of expose the corruption within these unions. You know he was labeled a paedophile a couple of months later and, and shipped away to somewhere upstate or something. So if you're a source, it doesn't end well. Yeah. He
2: actually said that he actually married the VA source, that's right. So yeah. that's the bit. Then we know who his wife was. His wife was one of his original sources, yeah, yeah. From that's right. From yeah. the VA story because he made that it was very veiled in that I uh, she married a guy to beneath obsess with, her, yeah. beneath her too obsessed with his work, that's right. and then I was just like, oh, now it's starting to make. Okay, we now know that she was a source, and she's still in hospital. That's all we know about her. Yeah, I yeah. say we'll we'll find out more.
0: Is that yeah. one of our points off the the derbord? It think. is. Yeah. Yes. Then yes. the first point off the derb. More,
1: more to go up. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll in that one. Yeah.
3: Can I just say I? Yeah. I think, I hope you're right. I hope that because I don't like Karen at the moment either. I agree. I Don't like her character. Yeah. So I'm hoping that she might get more interesting if she descends. Disintegrated, as you put it. I mean, that's the way, the <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that's the only way I can sort of rationalize it in my head is that she has this self destructive t- uh, sort of yeah, trait in her, right, uh, and yeah. that that's why she's doing this um, whole self investigation of, of the people who tried to kill her and her colleagues. And um, yeah, I'm that's the only way I can really think about it. Otherwise, I would agree with you. I think it's. Strange that she would do that and not just seek the way out. Yeah. However, morally dubious yeah, just, just, that just, may just, sound. Just quite
3: yeah. <laughs> um, like, for your safety, uh, like not... yeah, exactly. I don't
1: know. <laughs> exactly. Um, any other points on uh, on Karen and Ben in the episode, or we move on to Chris's first point?
2: Okay, your I'm going to talk about for my very first point, um Delafrio, his take on Wilson Fisk. Mm-hmm. It's it. I know we're all going to end up having some some mention on this, but uh-huh. for me, it was mesmerizing. Um, he he comes across as this for majority of the episode. He comes across as this awkward, shy brute. Yeah. Um, and it would have been really easy for the writers and Genovio himself to go down that kind of fallback in the old villain cliche. And mm-hmm. uh, like and to be fair, like Kingpin is a cliche. Yeah. He is a big brute of a Kingpin of a mob bosses. Yeah. Like it would have been very easy, but he didn't. It was um everything felt fresh. He was even relatable mm-hmm. when he was the, he was this kind of awkward little guy talking to this really cute girl that is like you were like, Oh I really like this yeah. Uh and then you kept waiting I kept waiting and waiting to see that glimpse of the madman. Or madman I should say. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that kind of mob boss. We didn't see that until the very end. Yeah. And they kept us waiting. Um and we knew that there was someone always afraid because that's been built up. Three episodes of we we've kind of seen glimpses of him. They talked about what he does and why he's bad and everything like that. But it was for most of the episode he was just this big bulky boy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, a vulnerable soul, um and there was even like there was one point he poured it on tears when she nearly kind of said no, you could see it. it looked like he was welling up and I'm like, That's that that that's not Someone's the kingpin been, I know. No. So you're gonna
3: he's either gonna kill someone or he's gonna cry. You actually and it's fifty yeah. fifty, like yeah. the little face. It was a great
0: expression. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely spot on expression. Um, because he's a man that doesn't get told no or I'm sitting on the fence and that's that's it. You have to wait for me. He's the one that has his own PA going around doing everything that he wants to get done and it happening. So mm. that's an unusual situation for him, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, it, one of the things that came out
1: of that final moment where he uh, where he he kills the the Russian. Um, he makes
2: a squishy
1: he makes a squishy Absolutely. <laughs> one of the pieces that came out from that is that he says to him the re- essentially the reason why I'm going to kill you is because you've made you've made me look bad in front of this woman, in front of Vanessa um, it's not because of all the dealings that have gone on it's not because Daredevil has, has been taking out this guy's men, it's not because the shipments have stopped, it's because he made him look bad in front of Vanessa, which I thought was a great play for this episode on the character, Wilson Fisk, that was really good
2: yeah, when Anatoly came in and barged in. Well, two things. One, I, I cringed. Oh, me too. I he was like, oh, you're a dead man now. Yep. But if you notice as well, half the restaurant stood up. Mm-hmm. There is bodyguards. Yeah. So he booked out like half of that restaurant. You see the people sitting down were like, meh. But then it was all these bodyguards stood up and walked. And they were obviously dining as well. Yeah. And I was like,
0: oh. It's a nervous moment. Yeah. yeah. A nervous moment. definitely. Uh, anybody else have any points on Wilson? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, in a sense, it is another one of my points as well um, here that um, the awkwardness of Wilson expressing himself to Vanessa and um, even his interactions you know, with Wesley Welch, even though it's more business, um, you know, he still has that reserved sort of um, presence about him. And I think it's great that it contrasts so well with almost the brute being let out of the box at the end. I love that contrast, but there's four things, and please bear with me, that I really liked about um, Vincent D'Onofrio in this.
1: Yeah, so as usual, if we ask John for five points, he'll
0: go for a four on one, plus another four points, but, uh, just <laughs> yeah. in case you haven't, haven't been listening. No, but, I'll, no I'll, we'll... take, I'll, t- I'll take them really quickly, because one of them we've already covered, which is um, Chris brought up about that face that he kind yeah. of... It was almost like a pained expression. I just thought it was great. I don't know how you even get that expression on your face. Mm -hmm. Whatever Vincent T'Onofrio had to do with his facial muscles, it just worked so well. It was so distinctive and it seemed to sum up everything that he was sort of angry, upset, frustrated, everything in one um, and that he had business to do with Anatoly after he had left. You There was an anger there as well. Mm -hmm. There's the painting in the Um, in the art gallery, when he goes back to speak to Vanessa and see if she will go out on this date, where there was a white painting of Mm -hmm. the rabbit in the snowstorm, we now have an orange and red fiery painting. Interesting. Um, Something very different, complete contrast again. Presumably, whether that reflects his two moods of being quite reserved and sort of a blank white or canvas and then there was this sort of fiery reds and oranges, and and so on looked like anger and malevolence. There, I thought that was really interesting. Then in the back of the car, mm-hmm. he grips. He's been. He's having a chat with uh, Wesley, his right hand man, and as he gets out of the car to go into the the art gallery, and. Um, Wesley's about to go himself, presumably to do the speaking to Vanessa to invite her to the restaurant, and he just grips his arm and says, "No, this is for me." And I yeah. love that little touch. Yeah, um, I can it, do this one myself. I don't need you to arrange it for me, kind of. Yeah, thing. but it was a nice. I, I felt there was a camaraderie mm-hmm. between Fisk and and Wesley yeah. there in that moment that he he did that, which I thought was really nice. And then I loved the fact that you know, as we've all done when we go for for meals certainly when maybe the first meal you go out on say that's not with your parents and someone asks you to taste the wine and it's like i mean it's will like, i'll taste it I, this is lovely <laughs> mm, yeah. mm. i hope everyone else likes it i just love that kind of again it's another part of the awkwardness where it's like you know wesley told me to pick this wine it's a good one i mean yeah. we didn't Normal people don't have that yeah. uh, benefit, but I just love the, the whole idea where he goes through that little ritual that we all do at a restaurant where uh, I, I'm with I'm with Wilson Fisk. I don't know that much about wine to be able to say, oh, that's brilliant, that's lovely, mm, that's yeah. okay. But I, I just love that little scene. I thought that was great as well. Yeah, yeah.
3: She says... Well, maybe I should be out for dinner with him. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, well, that's
0: horrible. <laughs> she was a bit forthright. Yeah, yeah, she's a bit up herself. Um, Aaron, <laughs> uh, you had a point, had a point in- Yeah, of
3: course. Um, when the Russian guys are talking at the start and he says the only reason he doesn't want to, um, people to say his name is because he's just a man. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because when he was talking to her at dinner and he's he's kind of trying to get her to get to know him because she doesn't ask anything. Yeah. He's just volunteering the information. Mm-hmm. And he's saying like that, this is what my life was like when I was younger. And it's like he's saying, this is what I wanted to be kind of. Right. And he's trying to, I don't know. It's like he's he's trying to get that across, but it's not really what he thinks he is. It's what he wanted to be. I get you, yeah. And then yeah. at the end, when, when he's embarrassed in front of her, the pretense just goes and he's like, this is what I am like.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly so, what you mean. And
3: I, yeah. I kind of, it was like from the start to the end of the episode, even, I was like, oh, he's not what I thought he was. Right. I, mean, I don't think he's what he thought he was either.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's, it does sound like it's coming across like he's trying to, as we all do, trying to put up those, um, Best trying to, exactly, and, yeah. <laughs> show her who he wants to be rather than who he is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely get that. And I
3: think he's kind of, if I had you, I could be maybe closer to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, understand that definitely. Um, I've got a couple of quick points on uh, on uh, Wilson Fisk. Um. Two, actually. Uh, one is where she asks his name. So you hear yeah. when Vanessa and him are talking and she introduces herself as Vanessa. Did you notice the quick pause that he has just before he reveals his name to her? Uh, we've been told for the first three episodes and the start of this episode that uh, nobody ever uh, oh, reveals yeah. his name. So uh, he, call, he calls himself Whis- Wilson, obviously. But, uh, but there is a pause before revealing his name to her. It looks like he's kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to have a date with this woman. But maybe... Uh, there might be a problem here if I reveal my name to her, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, which, which is just a line that he says, which uh, you guys haven't actually mentioned, so I just wanted to pull it out. Wesley asks him, uh, himself and Wesley are talking about the Russians and the fact that they haven't been able to take out the uh, the masked idiot. Mm. Uh, and he says, oh, I'll have it. I have another solution for that. Anybody have any ideas what the other solution could be? Uh, in my head, of course, because of the Daredevil 2003 film, I'm going is he going to hire Bullseye to come in to uh, to kill to kill him? Are we going to get a reveal of Bullseye? Of course, because I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> but uh, but is is he saying that he's now going to go after him? If the Russians can't take him out, Wilson Fisk is now going to take out the man in the mask. Now
2: the I don't think Wilson is. I think <laughs> he's going to get the Nobu who I'm still pretty sure is the hand. Right. Okay. Um, So we hopefully might see some ninjas. Okay. Uh, or at least some kind of ninja fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or Madame uh, Gao, um, one of those other arms. So we had the Russians, we had the accountant, we had uh the Chinese and the Japanese. That's right. Yeah. So from there, I'm assuming we'll get introduced to each of those kind of throughout the, the this series. I think he's mm-hmm. going to probably ask Nobu or Gao to... to take over. That's why because uh, Matt had been focused or has focused specifically on the Russians mm-hmm. for these last four episodes. I'm hoping that they're not saving these other two um, kind of crime families that we have to, that Matt's going to have to face until the next season because mm-hmm. if it's just Russians for this whole series it, it could get quite boring. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think yeah, that's what I think. But I'd love to see a bullseye. Some yeah. kind of, uh I don't know,
1: Vigilante or something that would be going against our vigilante, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. I uh, just thought it was an interesting point. That's uh, that's my next point. So, Aaron, I think we it's on to you for the next point.
3: Foggy and Karen, again, the mm-hmm. light relief that was much shorter in this episode. Yeah, um, it was. But I know he didn't. she didn't mention how much she had paid for the crappy fax machine <laughs> and the stuff that was going to be delivered the next day. Uh-huh. So I presume we're supposed to think it was okay because he found out it was like a printer and office supplies. Yeah. like wasn't it wasn't 200 and something
1: 3,500 and yeah <laughs> like yeah. how, what kind how of is that or... going to be okay like particularly the fact for that
3: desktops that were used and a fax machine fax machine <laughs> <laughs> it it was a a retro she's like the worst employee ever she's like. pretty pretty bad.
1: which you know and, and Foggy earlier on in the episode pointed out the fact that uh, that Matt had, had bought himself a little prepaid phone probably about $30 yeah saying, I know I and that was that. an <laughs> expense and then yes he gets into a taxi by the way yeah of course but
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you just—I don't know how that how that weighs up. Like, how is that okay? Like yeah. they saved her; she never went away, and now, like, she's doing stuff like charging stuff to the company. <laughs> I, I,
0: I must <laughs> say, I did like the huge honking fax machine. Uh-huh. It was so old school, and I mean, unfortunately, I'm of that age with that. I remember when that was cutting edge technology, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Ooh, you can send black and white on paper across the oceans." Mm-hmm. And now, <laughs> and now I've got it all in a in a, a palm phone, you know. Now if your
3: email and send immediately, yeah. you're like, "Oh."
0: <laughs> um, but I did, I did love this honking great bit of old tech, sort of in the corner of the office. Um, I thought it was it was really good, but definitely. Those kind of things, charging it to the office firm, I mean, she does bring up that as an issue to Ulrich when they meet again back in the cafeteria, but there is this question that must be going through Foggy's mind now as to whether they even should keep her on because she's just costing them even more money. (laughs) She's never paid for their services. She was supposed to pay them back, and now she's just added an extra three grand onto what she needs to pay back yeah you know, what I, you know what I will say though I don't think it's going to be Foggy that would fire her for that
1: because for some weird reason he's the one that mentioned I want to be like a successful person I want to have a fax machine it was Matt that was going nobody uses fax machines anymore yeah it was Matt you
3: could that... see him looking
1: lovingly at it Foggy exactly. was looking he was like, oh, at it she, she bought the thing exactly <laughs> yeah. what yeah. I you want know. but it was Matt that Matt was the one that called out when she spent a little bit extra time on her lunch he called out to her I don't want you taking no any wrong lunches languages. anymore mm. he seems to be much more critical of her working Style and Foggy is Foggy's kind of happy having a good-looking uh, secretary. I else, it's, you know, right. it's quite nice. It makes him feel successful because now he's got a fax machine. But uh, but I think it might be Matt that might uh, might have a problem with her um, for her work style. I think. But uh, but yeah, Chris, any points on uh, on Foggy and Okay, uh,
2: I I think this is uh, the love triangle starting. I really do. Yeah. I, I I the more and more the interactions she has less interactions with um, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, but. Every interaction so far she's had with Foggy has been with her kind of pleasing him mm-hmm. or him trying to please her i i I'd see that there the might be a fresh take on the whole um the Karen page story where she actually maybe foggy's a love interest and right. then she falls in love with the man in the mask and then we have that whole Superman. Lowe's Lane, Clark Kent kind Mm -hmm. of thing going on.
1: Interesting, interesting. They always say that the way to a man's heart is through his fax machine. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard that. I have heard that. (laughs) I
2: remembered it back in the day. (laughs) Well... (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, Chris uh, do you want to uh, give us your next point
2: ok I'm going to bring up two easter eggs okay. that I, I found um, interesting so as always the yellows and reds ok uh, they're in there so we've got um, the painting in the gallery which was yellow and red oh yes good one. Uh, mm-hmm. and then thanks to you guys which I actually missed the cab company mm-hmm. uh, one of the, they had the yellow and red on their logo as well
1: yeah yeah it wasn't yellow and black, black like the normal yellow and black yeah. taxis it was a, uh, was the checker cabs in New York it was uh, it was the what what was the name of the cab company again john valleys, valley's taxi valley's taxis yeah, so that's written in red and in red and yellow again, so another reference to the two suits of uh yep. of Daredevil again so, so uh, I'm
2: thinking there is something here, I think these are nods i don't think there's any a yellow lighting means danger red means violence i mm-hmm. think that's i think these are just nice nods that they'll keep trying to put in um even through. And then finally when Fisk is at the end of the, the quite gory scene mm-hmm. he asks for um Wesley to call Mr. Potter. Oh, right. So I'm hoping that this might be in reference to Melvin Potter, mm-hmm. who was a comic book super villain called the Gladiator, who was well known for building suits of armour and high tech stuff. And the reason I'm making this connection is um actually um, when he, Uh, Anatoly was cut Fisk in his suit, we Mm. saw something underneath, and I think one of you guys made a reference to... Lizard Skin. Lizard Skin, yeah. It's kind of like this armour underneath, Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm thinking that rather than just a normal tailor, this could be uh, Fisk's tailor. He's like the special suits he gets. Hopefully we might see a white suit with an ascot as well (laughs) for those of the comic book fans who know um, the old school kingpin was always in, dressed in full white with a cane and an ascot. Mm-hmm. So we hope we might see that as well. But I think, yeah, Mister Potter. Hopefully, we may see him, and that could be where, who knows, it could be where Daredevil's red suit comes from.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So a very a very heavily uh, armoured
0: white suit is what we're looking for. Yeah, there. exactly. Cool.
1: John, uh, do you want to give us your next point?
0: I am going to bring up that
1: ending okay Okay. um
0: again slightly traumatic for me um became slightly hysterical had to look away for a bit um you know we had the spike spiky fence um in episode three Uh we had the shard of glass going in behind the the eye in episode two Mm -hmm. so you know the writers like spiky pointy objects and um the environment being used for certain death, um, yeah. and I'm going to call it. We've got double D with um, Daredevil. I'm going to call this the triple D um, door death decapitation. <laughs> um, this was quite frankly really savage. It contrasts so nicely with um, his awkwardness throughout the whole of the the episode, leading up to this point. I think, again, that painting the, the white to the fiery orange and red shows his the change that can happen and take place with Wilson Fisk. Mm. Um, and I, I, I loved it for that reason, to see him just being brutal and um, maybe going back to his roots. But I say that with slight hesitation because he actually talks, and whether it's just a lie or a story to tell Vanessa, but he talks about how... He, You know, he really didn't like being brought up in Hell's Kitchen and going off to, I think, an auntie and an uncle. Um, again, out of the city in the countryside to a farm. And he says, you know, good times, happy years. Yeah. Um. So I love these contrasts with, with him. But as well, I did chuckle. And again, it may have been down to hysteria as to seeing, you know... Poor Anatoly's head get um, chopped off um, by Wilson Fisk with the door slammer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just the fact that Welch was trying not to look at what was going on. It was almost like so he he had plausible deniability that anything was going on because he never saw it. Mm -hmm. But the door was open and he sees him. And then the next thing he gets just the splash of blood on his cheek. And then, I must say, it was a great camera moment where then it shows him getting out the other side of the car Hi. as Wilson Fisk starts to go to town on Anatoly's head with, with the oh. other door. And, you know, loyal to the end, he hands him the the handkerchief to wipe away the blood. But I just loved that whole um, scene with Wesley Welch just getting out of the car. I thought it was in. The sort of bloody humour for um, what was going on on the other side of the car as well. I really, really liked it. And um, again, it may have been slight hysteria setting in at this point, um, uh, or nervous laughing, you know, yeah. to try and pretend I wasn't really seeing the the other side of the car. But I, I thought that, that the ending was amazing, pure savagery, and of course, then it leads into. Um, the potential for this turf war now, you know, this this crime syndicate of the Russians, the Chinese, the Japanese, uh, Leyland Owley, this now, um, at least from the Russians' perspective, you know, that's kind of shattered, it's yeah. sheared away now, and, and Wilson Fisk really does not want them involved. They have shown to be... Uh, not suitable or incompetent mm-hmm. or, or whatever, you know, or untrustworthy. This this has gone beyond um, what he expects. Um, they invaded his private space, um, as Chris had said, when Anatoly came rushing down into the restaurant. Yeah. But, so it really sets up a, and tees up sort of for the next few episodes, maybe some kind of turf war. Mm-hmm some bloody revenge or attempted bloody revenge, but there will be more blood there. Yeah. yeah, and luckily uh, Matt has
1: put a lot of the Russians into hospital now, so uh, they won't have a huge army to fight this war with, unfortunately. Um, Irene, do you have any points on that, uh, on that final scene?
3: Um, I was going to say about Wesley's lovely speech about the past being smoke locked in a room, mm-hmm. and changes and... Then the contrast <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds later uh-huh. is like, terrific. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it does. It does. It, it really strikes a, a big moment for the show. Um, I, I kind of noticed and I do unfortunately make a couple of references to other shows that have stuff going on like what's happening in daredevil uh, i think that the season finale of uh, walking dead that aired quite recently so walking dead is one of the most brutal violent shows on tv and gets away with it because okay, there's because
3: they're, already
1: dead. they're zombies yeah they get away with it uh, but there's a scene in the in the finale episode i think or the second last episode where um a zombie gets his head crushed in a door and you kind of you watch it and you go okay grand that's it's a zombie it's fine this episode, where Kingpin does the same to another human being, regardless of the fact that he's a Russian mobster,
3: in his senses. Like, yeah,
1: it's it's pretty it's pretty difficult to watch. And I think, uh, I, think I was definitely kind of looking away a bit more than I normally would be um, at, at a scene like that. But uh, I thought it was really good, that Really, really, really brutal, and, and sh- again shows us our Wilson Fisk. Uh, don't mess with him. Don't yeah. mess with the man.
3: Now you were saying Wesley's trying not to look, and he's kind of, and then he just gets out to the other side of the door, yeah. but. Fisk is looking
2: down at
1: him, and mm-hmm. like he's no problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. He's trying to take his vengeance out on this man, and it is furious. Uh, yeah.
2: He moves. He moves not like a hulking man that we expect. He was quick on his feet in mm-hmm. that fight scene. He he went toe for toe with this with Anatoly, who we assume is a prince of Moscow, who mm-hmm. is kind of like probably the big big guys, um, and that I was expecting kind of the the sumo we got More an MMA. lumbering yeah, yeah we got him, we got an yeah. mma fighter here kind of yes. guy yeah. <laughs> we, like, got a Hulk. Literally, we got a hook
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah he did he definitely has some has some moves on him some proper speed and can can definitely uh, take a punch as well
2: he's
3: beautiful man like, <laughs> okay. i mean the face like the expressions everything like he's just
1: Amazing. I I know. I'm 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 so happy for, for Vincent Maffrey on the show and I'm delighted to, to finally get some some experience of Fisk here. Really good. Really good. Uh one of the points for me, just a couple of things from Claire, which was the suggestion of body armor. So potential for the need for uh for Matt Murdoch to wear body armor. That comes from Claire and his discussion with her where you know, he's going back to to her as if it's his own private EOR unit, um, to <laughs> sew himself up again. You know, and she's kind of going, right? Well, you know, what happens if I'm not here, or what happens if the if I'm not available? You need to get body armor. He says it will slow him down. She got so a bullet. So a bullet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so I thought that's quite interesting, and this could lead to the uh, the next iteration of the suit, which we'll hopefully see pretty soon, uh, where he gets a bit of body armor, and as you said, potentially from. Uh, from the same maker of uh, of Fisk's suits, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think
2: that'd be really good. And I yeah. think, I think Claire is going to be the one now that pushes and creates, or the driving force behind the red suit mm-hmm. that we we come we know and love. So that's the third time, second time she's mentioned the suit and his outfits, and yeah, um, well that's. Yeah, no, I think it right. it's third time. It's end.
1: the second time, yeah, because there was third a end. there was the discussion where he said it's just a work in progress. This is yes. yeah.
2: So I think that that's I think uh, we'll probably continue to see a trend now on this, which we will hopefully end up or at least make that iteration a, a new addition to the suit. And mm-hmm. maybe a black suit body armor, and then he goes, paint red.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, so maybe he will look more like Batman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more like the uh, the edited version of the suit that we've seen on uh, on Twitter. Um, the other el- element about Claire's character in this episode, she's really becoming the confidant for Daredevil, rather than for Matt Murdock. He's obviously got his best friend, Foggy, who he talks to about girls and talks to about his problems, talks to about, you know, the things that he's gone through in his life, but now he's got someone he can actually talk to about the, the pain of being Daredevil, the, the problems that he's causing by trying to just do something better for his city, mm. uh, and I love her response. It's tell me you've got an end game or something. Tell me that you have a plan here to deal with this. And he just says, "No, I'm just trying to do nice things for people around and trying to save people that I see in danger." And look at all the pain it's causing. Look at the the uh, the issues that I'm actually setting up for people. It seems like he's almost trying to give up and um, being Daredevil because of the issues that he's mm-hmm. causing. But he knows he can't because he's seen. Everything yeah. that's going on in the city. I think there's a great interaction between the two characters, and she's such an important character in this story uh, for Matt Murdock and for Daredevil. I think
3: uh, I thought it was a good, nice parallel between Fisk and the whole thing going on with his name, and then it seems like a small thing, but he tells Claire that his name is Matt and not Mike.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's never revealed who he is to to uh, to Claire. Yeah. Um, I suppose she took a pretty good beating and didn't didn't tell. The, the door, Russians anything, know. so he knows he can trust this girl. She
2: came beating back. Did you see that baseball yeah, club? Yeah. He Matt had her, had the guy like dead to rights. I'm like, no, 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 no. Excuse me one second. This guy just beat me up.
0: Mm-hmm. Whack. Absolutely. I was yeah. like, oh,
2: okay. So she can give out a bit of punishment too.
0: Revenge of the night nurse, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That was that yeah, was pretty it brutal. It does not. Good. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Night nurse. laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I also kind of felt that. That interaction between Claire and Matt um, on the couch, she was also, like, his conscience as well. And mm. um, the idea that the guy that he threw off the top of the building in episode two, you know, he's in a coma. You do realize that. You, it's not just simply that people are getting up and walking away after you've done a big beatdown. Mm-hmm. And his his response was kind of interesting where he goes, I'll live. Yeah. It, it, you know, Slightly emotionless there, uh, Matt Murdock. Mm -hmm. Slightly emotionless. Um, And I kind of thought that was an odd um, response. Uh, But maybe he's distinguishing between the people who needs him and his sort of sympathy and um, empathy with them as opposed to the people who he actually does need to deal with to make their lives better. So um, I can understand it from that point of view um, as well. And of course we do see the guy he's put into hospital and who's in a coma um, a bit later on in this episode. Yeah, uh, Semyon isn't it? Semyon, yeah. And again we see the Russians sort of not really care too much about um, stabbing him with adrenaline a needle full of adrenaline Mm -hmm. um, to to ultimately track down um, Claire Temple um, Mm -hmm. and to try and draw out uh, this mass vigilante that's causing them so much uh, problem. Yeah,
2: completely agree. Just it's she. She seems to be, or will continue to be, I think, his confidant mm-hmm. throughout the throughout the the show. He said Matt. He hasn't said Murdoch. To think that, like, in, especially in the states, you will get lawyers in front of TV cameras. And based on the character he usually is in front of TV cameras, mm. so he's not doing the best job at the moment of hiding his identity. <laughs> uh-huh. So he's already kind of let. Well, we've got three people. Three people who know the 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 Spanish guy, the mm-hmm. Spanish kid, yeah. uh, Claire. We've got
1: just the two, I think, just at the two yeah. at the moment. But
2: yeah. I think I I don't think he he's he, he's very loose with this whole secret identity part.
1: All right, all right. I uh, I, I again I I will say both. Claire and, uh, and the young kid both took a pretty good beating and didn't share the information. So maybe he's trusting the right people with that information, sure. potentially. He hasn't told Wilson Fisk or Wesley who he is yet. So uh, that's pretty yeah, good. So at least he's keeping that to himself. <laughs> um, Ariadne, any points on Claire?
3: I thought it was good that she... It's not that she wasn't afraid. She was afraid. She was terrified, like, when she's tied up and mm-hmm. they were beating her up. Yeah. It wasn't... It was realistic. Absolutely. Like Even though she didn't talk. Yeah. So I don't know how realistic that was. <laughs> but, like, she wasn't just, you know... I don't care, you know. You, you can do what you want or whatever. She was genuinely terrified, and maybe she kind of thought Matt might find her, but she still wasn't saying anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. She was surrounded by uh, some heavy Russian guys who were ready to kill her at any instant. There was a couple of a couple of moments where I think the guy swung the bat at her head, um, yeah. just missing, just missing her, and then attempted to swing it again and was only stopped by. Uh, by one of the other Russians who tell, who says in Russian, "We're not." We're, sorry, shouldn't laugh at this one, but he says in Russian, uh, "We were told not to kill her until she provides the information." So I was really hopeful that Claire didn't understand Russian. Or yeah. You know? um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you definitely wouldn't give up information if you knew that. But uh, but yeah, you're right. She did look terrified. A great a great scene for um for Dawson in, yeah. in, in there. Definitely. Um, who's up for the next points?
2: I'll take this one. Um, and I'm going to be a bit negative. Okay. Um, I had a bit of a WTF moment. Okay. Um, we so we were talking obviously. What the flip? What the flip? Oh. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so Matt gets the call from Claire, and then takes off running. Oh yeah. So he you takes off running scene. down an alley, mm-hmm. and so we've been led to believe at this point that he he he's not superhero. Mm-hmm. He's just he he has no special superhero power he's just a well trained kind of martial artist acrobat who uses his external senses more so sort of like the clanging of the, the the he's able to hear things mm-hmm. he doesn't have radar vision like we've seen in uh, previous iterations right right uh, like the film um but then he takes off running down this alleyway mm-hmm. th- throws his uh, his seeing eye cane he folds it down and throws it into a bin mm-hmm. and then literally runs and parkours up this massive flight of uh, the, the side of the building. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, up and over the building. He went up the building. Yeah. And I was a bit like, what?
1: Yeah, okay. I, I just,
2: I, we haven't explained his powers yet. Yes. You would need, they. this leads to, okay, so we need to know he's a bit more, now we know he, he can definitely see. So what can he see? Okay. And like, yeah, it just, they didn't explain it too well. They just kind of went, okay, suspend the belief now. Right. So he's running up a building and throwing away his cane, but he can see completely. Right. And then 30 seconds before that, he was holding on to Foggy uh, as Foggy brought him across the road. Mm -hmm. So it's this clicks, echolocation. We don't hear clicks. Right. I just, I want, I need to know. What if he has powers? Mm-hmm. Does he have not have powers? Is he really, really just a super ninja right, kind of right. thing? Mm-hmm. Um, we know Stick is going to be in this show, mm-hmm. um, and Stick it uh, was a ninja from the previous comic books, right? Um, um, but again, the characters may change slightly, yeah. so we need to see how that goes. But I just want to know now. Like in the comic books, he was a superhero. Mm-hmm. He d- did have kind of some superhero human powers is this now are we in the same universe kind of thing or is it just a a complete reimagining
1: right okay yeah i I think uh i think the scene definitely provides the intrigue i definitely agree with you and i would say if we were watching the show like a lot of people are watching the show you'll get these questions answered a lot quicker than we're going to get them answered because we're podcasting unfortunately so it does throw up elements like this where you watch it and you go hang on a mo right but i do i have to say the one thing I, i think we mentioned this prior to to doing the podcast but um, the one thing I think is hugely important here is the difference between how he acts around Foggy Nelson his best friend he does hold his arm walking across the road he uses the cane in front of him even while being directed everywhere with Foggy so he's showing Foggy he's just like every other blind man that Foggy's ever met he's showing him that he can't see anything around he finishes that phone call where he realizes that Claire has been attacked and then as you say once there's nobody looking he runs and runs down a runs uh, down how an alleyway. You know, no know. one's <laughs> looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you
3: suppose, foggy's driven away. Yes, yeah, foggy's gone, that's, yeah, that's the important that's the piece. bit. Yeah.
1: But he, uh, we may learn about his senses and learn whether he knows are other people watching or other people paying any attention to him running or not. Yeah. He didn't throw away the cane until he went down the laneway, uh, down the alleyway. Excuse me. Um, so he was carrying the cane, so other people will have seen that around him. But yeah, hopefully there will be some explanation for some more detailed knowledge of these of these powers.
0: Well, we do know that Scott Glenn is going to play Stick mm-hmm. as well. So we do know as well from the trailer that there's the there's that training from Stick with the younger Matt Murdock, uh-huh. um, presumably after his father's died. So I'm sure there'll be the flashbacks going on there at some point. But I can see um, I can see the point that we haven't necessarily had those explained too much yet, yeah. and actually the. The, the mass vigilante in the black suit at the moment is also finding his way as that mass vigilante, uh, who to go after at the moment. He does understand there's a bigger villain there um, that was revealed um, at the end of episode three with um, John Healy saying, Wilson Fisk. That's right. But he has been focusing on the Russians in Hell's Kitchen and his sort of immediate um, local local area, But again, he's finding his feet here with the, you know, he's gotten an awful lot of stabs, cuts uh, and bruises as his visits to um, Claire Temple sort of illustrate. So it will be useful to see that training from Stick, you know, with the younger Matt Murdock, which we know is going to come. It's Mm -hmm. just as and when um, it's going to arrive on the episodes. And maybe there's a there is a question to ask. Well, should it have been a bit sooner before seeing the full parkour uh, run up the sides of the buildings? But I think as well, it just helped to demonstrate how at this moment in time, Claire Temple is important to this mass vigilante. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the the whole mobile phone being given to her as a sign of trust, and now she's in danger, and so there's that loyalty to one of the first people he's kind of brought into the Daredevil circle, I yeah. suppose, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. So John, do you want to give us your next point? Yeah, um, mine comes to the motives of the two principal protagonists, which is Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. Mm. And I thought it was really quite nice that in this episode, you had um, Matt Murdoch to, to Claire Temple, Um presumably you know they're getting on and trusting one another a bit more, you know, seemingly. And then Wilson Fisk to Vanessa, who you know he obviously has um, wants to get to know her better, has a, a, some attraction to Vanessa, and um, both talk about their city and about what they want to do. In it, And I just thought it was really quite a nice sort of look at the motives of these two guys on seemingly different sides of the fence being and having quite similar motivations as to why they do what they do. And mm. um, for for Matt Murdoch, it was um, when he was saying to Claire, you know, I'm just trying to make my city a better place. And, you know, we heard that in um, I think it was one of the trailers. Yeah, and, and, in, and in her intro music. And in the intro music, exactly. And then to Vanessa, um, as they're having their meal in mm-hmm. in the restaurant, you know, he, he comes out and talks about the city is a part of me. I'll do anything to make it a better place for people like you. Now he does qualify that makes it more to the people maybe in his circle right. and his circle of trust. But nonetheless there's a there's a motivation there that's broadly similar between the two people, making Hell's Kitchen. Uh, and their city of New York, a better place to live. Yeah. Um, it could be argued that for Wilson, it's for him and his associates, um, and for, for Matt Murdock, it's the um, people who are trodden on by people like Wilson Fisk, but the motivation is similar, and it's that, again, um, distinction and the blurred lines between being right and wrong or and those motivations and i like that
1: yeah yeah no i I agree And, and you made the point earlier on wilson's from uh hell's kitchen originally lived away from it and loved his time away from the city whereas matt's from hell's kitchen went off to college came back and lives in that area of the city because he loves that area of the city That's a big difference between the two while their motivations to make the city better for the people that that they're surrounded by um suppose the people they're surrounded by are very different people. So Matt's obviously surrounded by the, the uh the poorer people that are just struggling day to day and Kingpin or Wilson Fisk is surrounded by the
0: people in his group who want to make the city theirs. Um yeah, it's a really really good point. Yeah, I just liked as well that it was the the two ladies at the moment that are currently in their life, Vanessa mm-hmm. and Claire, I like that that kind of personal element as to why they do what they do was delivered to them. Um you know who may, over the course of the, the remaining episodes, become bigger parts of, of their life and and what they they do in the city. So I I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Irene, do you want to give us your next point?
3: I just wanted to just say two things about Claire. I mm-hmm. think the first one is um, something that we mentioned. You mentioned in the previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a bit strange that when she was talking to Matt and he said about Wilson Fisk and she said, "How do you know whoever told you his name was in lying?" Yeah. A sentence which made no sense to me <laughs> until <laughs> I was thinking that maybe it is what you were talking about before that. If she is the mob doctor, mm-hmm. she's trying to throw him off the track or oh, pretend that she hasn't heard of him before. Yeah. But the sentence itself sounds a bit strange. I, I don't know. I the person isn't you know lying. Person is line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like where would they pull that name out of if they were lying? I don't know. It was strange. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
3: It wasn't about him. It was the actual name. I don't know. Yeah, um. they're, they're inter-
1: interesting. Yeah, like, but potentially she is. We don't know everything about her. We said we said before that that uh, she's very shady on the information that she'll provide to Matt. So it's it is, yeah. it is entirely possible that she uh, she does have a past that we're not aware of now. All we know is that she's tending to his wounds and being a confidant for him at the moment. And she says she works in the EOR. Um, actually, I've just pop- that's just popped into my head. The doctor in the hospital when Ben O'Rourke visited her uh said that there is one of her best um employees is has taken time off sick and, uh, and in this taken, episode she says yeah. that she's taken time off sick from the hospital. So that's confirmed. She works for the EOR, definitely. So uh, so we do know that about her. But um yeah, potentially she does have another shady side to her. Yeah, good point, Irene. Good point. And you have another point about Claire?
3: Um her it was just kinda of some Lighter her mm-hmm. her stupid Doctor Phil reference where she said how's that working for you? <laughs> so how's that working for you? And Matt just going to laugh. I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. They take their inspiration from many different sources of this show. And Doctor Phil is it an, an afternoon show? Many writers sit down and uh, and, and, and watch, watch that. Probably, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Or maybe
3: because she's on sick leave, everyone watches it when they're on sick. Leave. That's true. <laughs> 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 I've mean, never seen any of it.
1: Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, do you want to give us your next point?
2: Yeah, my final point's on the pitch black fighting, mm. which I think was one of the, we saw very little, but it actually worked so well. Um, It shows kind of the Daredevil style, which is all the lights go out. It was very Batman-esque. Mm. reminded me a lot yeah, of the yeah. kind of, like strike fear into their hearts. Yeah. Um, But he, yeah, he turns off all the lights and then he did the talking and throwing things and mm-hmm. tapping and started to scare the Russians. I thought it was very well done. He did use the environment, mm-hmm. he just didn't kind of like leap over or someone's head and then smash them with some such, this was all very much, he threw objects, he threw a lead pipe at one of the um, Russian's hands mm-hmm. with a gun and it was clanging out. Yeah. Um, it was just very it was very well done and I think again it's showing the different side so we've seen 3, 4 different fights now mm-hmm. and each one has been uniquely different
1: absolutely yeah they're really pulling from many many different inspirations I, I did see Stephen tonight, uh, the other night on Twitter uh, yeah. who's the, the showrunner for, for Daredevil I did hear him reference the fact that The Raid 1 and 2 are huge inspirations for him and he really enjoyed both of those films um, you can definitely see with a, yeah. a film like The Raid there are uh, 10 or 15 individuals Individual fight sequences, and everyone feels different and you can tell that that's what Steven tonight's going for in this show it's a really some very visceral fights, and as you say some that are kept to the shadows some that are long takes um, really really good but yeah, definitely enjoyed this uh, this particular one where you don't see Daredevil take people out you hear his voice you uh you uh, over time you eventually see him taking people out but it's the it 's probably the least we've seen of Matt Murdock in in these scenes yeah uh, yeah, yeah completely. Really, good. really good one. Um, my final point is about the brothers, and uh, Anatoly and Vladimir, um, the two Russians. It's great to get a bit of backstory from these two characters. Um, you know, they they just could they just could be uh, simple Russian mobsters, uh, but they really seem to be the best at what they do. Or had, had they call themselves the princes of Moscow uh, at the beginning of the episode when they're when they're trapped in the in. Uh, the the Russian prison. They moved their entire operation to New York and they, you know, they have that little bit of backstory. They're definitely, um, they definitely don't uh, suffer fools uh, at all and they definitely will take out their violence on anybody who stands in their way. But they start to have these conversations about whether they're moving in different paths or whether they're, uh, whether they're still as aligned as they used to be. Um, and I thought it was really interesting kind of backstory between the two of them. I thought, I thought it, was, it was good to see that these guys are, I, I, I'm trying to think what it, what it reminded me of. It was something uh, it was good actually it was Grand Theft Auto 4, the uh, the Russians in uh, in um, in the city there, where the two of them have moved to a, another country, which is where the streets are paved with gold, and they start to move apart, trying to get more and more of that gold for themselves, rather than being on each other's side and and standing apart from everybody else.
0: I thought it was really good, uh, really well written. Uh, yeah, no, that was one of my points as well. Just it was great to see um, their backstory fleshed out with obviously the Siberian prison at, at, at the start. But even just the differences between the two men, you had Anatoly, who seemed amenable to being part of this criminal syndicate uh, with Wilson Fisk at, at the head, and then there was Vladimir who seemed the, the more sort of domineering of the two brothers, mm-hmm. um, the the more shouty-shouty, you know, <laughs> banging his knifey-knifey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, breaking oh, yeah. kind of um, brother, who, you know, had a much more larger sense of pride that because he hadn't come up with this idea, because he wasn't leading it, it wasn't necessarily something he was fully bought into. And ultimately, poor old... Anatoly gets the um the short end of the deal and um, having his uh, head knocked off and, but in, and oh. pulverized. Yeah, uh, what did you call squishy. it? A squishy. Yeah, <laughs> um, Kingpin made, made a squishy in King, the blood. Yeah, um, you know he got the the rougher end of, of that deal. But I like that interplay between the two, and as you say, them sort of drifting or at least beginning to drift apart. And well, now they will be apart forever. Yeah. Um, well, as, Anatoly will be. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> In pieces. <laughs> In pieces. Yeah, his, his entire body is apart uh, at the moment. So again, yeah, I really liked that flashing out, and it would be nice to see that for Madame Gao. It would be nice to see that for um, Nobu. Nobu as well. Mm-hmm. I think whether we will, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that just added and rounded off the these two um, criminals. Um, really, really nicely, I thought. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um. Guys, any other notes about the episode? That's my final point to know. Uh, any other notes about the episode? Or any other points you want to make about the episode?
3: I'm just really hoping we see Wesley's ears backstory. How did they get <laughs> so weirdly smooth and they go red when he's talking to Fisk? Ooh, interesting. <laughs> There's yeah, another I didn't red. A bit of red, Chris. Damn. <laughs> Are they fake? Are they. Made of wax, so they, <laughs> so, or is it just
1: the anger rising in his body just manifests itself yeah, in the, in the blood he, in his ears? They actually <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I like it. I like it. So, John, do you
0: defend this episode of Daredevil? I certainly do defend this episode of Daredevil. And um, I'm going to give this 4.5 slam doors out of five. This to me is my favorite episode of. <laughs> The series so far. I think it's a fitting introduction to the big man, Wilson Fisk, who is played brilliantly by Vincent D'Onofrio. I like how the writing keeps him human and awkward, like we said at the end of uh, the last episode. And then you see all that rage and savagery, which has led him to where he is at the moment, Mm -hmm. come out in those final few scenes. It has Wesley Welch being awesome again um, as his right-hand man. And I loved all of that. I loved the backstory to the Russians and how that brought in Claire and Temple and Matt Murdock. And whilst maybe there was a slight misstep with the Auric and Karen Page parts, I still kind of felt that that was still a through-line development from the previous episode. So I maybe could live with that a bit more, but... To me, this was the best episode so far. Mm. Um, To date, I really liked it. Irene, do you defend this episode of Daredevil?
3: I do agree with John. I think it's nearly perfect. Definitely the best one so far. And Wilson Fisk
2: alone. Vincent Tadapur alone.
1: Mm -hmm. Chris, do you defend this episode of Daredevil?
2: Completely. It is completely guilty of being fantastic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, for me, I, I, I absolutely defend this episode. Watch it. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure you've watched it already. Watch it again. It's great. The choices that they make in this episode to essentially have about 75% of the episode is subtitled. Uh, 70, About 75% is spoken from... Foreign accents, and, and there's, there's many different nation, nationalities included in this. Very much like New York itself, a big melting pot of very, very different nationalities. A great choice for a show to be able to do this it's, again, the power of Netflix. You can, if you don't like this episode, there's another one right around the corner uh, for you. But if you like, if you stick with this episode, I think you're going to find a great piece of drama and a great build-up of a a great character like Wilson Fisk as well. So, uh, yes, delighted to have seen this episode. Join us again next time when we talk about the next episode, World on Fire, episode 5 of Daredevil. Um, All right. well, thanks very much for listening again. Uh, If you want to send us any feedback, I know even with four of us, there are points of the episodes that we will probably miss. We want to get your feedback to make sure we gather all those points uh, please email us at feedback at and please ensure you subscribe to episodes uh, because of the nature of the Netflix show we won't be releasing episodes once a week we'll be releasing them a little bit more frequently so if you subscribe to the podcast in uh, iTunes by going to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes you will pick up episodes as soon as they're released uh, or you can subscribe to it in any, any good podcast catcher like Stitcher Beyond Pod um,
0: Player FM as well
1: yeah and again you'll pick up uh, pick up episodes as soon as they're released. You can also follow us on Twitter at defenderscast or on Facebook at uh, search defenders tv podcast and we have a page and a group on there for you to join. So thanks very much for listening and delighted to have the full defenders uh, here for this episode. Yeah, thank you so
0: much for listening. Toodaloo. Thank you. Bye bye.